that after you die, you can come back as whatever you want. I'll be a butterfly. How come? Because nobody ever suspects the butterfly. <laughs> I didn't burn down the school. It was the butterfly, I tell you. The butterfly! He's crazy, boys. Get the taser. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Customers Also Watch, the podcast where my guests and I discuss a movie currently available for free on Amazon Prime, picked by me from the Customers Also Watch list of the previous episode's movie. Uh, after we discuss the movie, we rate it on a five-point scale. Uh, love it, recommend it, leave it, remake it, or kill it with fire. Then at the end of the episode, I'll pick the next movie to be covered from the Customers Also Watch list of today's movie. I'm your host, Erica, and my guest for this week is Chaos from They Mostly Podcast at Night. Hey, Chaos. Hello, Erica. I am super happy to have you on the show, finally. It's been a long time coming. Super happy to be here. Uh, so it I've, has been a long time. Yeah. Uh, so I've been a long time listener, and, but for anyone who's not familiar with your podcast, can you tell everyone a little bit about They Mostly Podcast at Night? Yeah, so it's uh, me and my best friend Carnage. We've been friends for 20 years, and uh, which is like scary. But um, we're best friends and we take turns picking horror movies and deconstructing them. And uh, we don't like each other's tastes. So it's really fun because <laughs> we argue. And, and um, I try not to get too heated, but I often get too heated. And it uh, strains our friendship at times. No, I'm just kidding. It's it's a lot of fun. But we just talk about horror movies and we're silly. And yeah. yeah. And you guys just had your 100th episode. So first of all, congratulations. Oh, thank you. That's that's rad. That's a lot of movies that you guys have covered. Um, have there been oh any that Carnage has picked and you've just been absolutely miserable? Or you thought... <laughs> Or on the other side of that, maybe that you thought you would hate and you actually turned out to really like it. Um, I will admit that a lot of the time I think I'm going to hate it. And then I hate it a lot less than I thought I would. Okay. Um, but then also quite often it feels like torture. I could think of a few episodes where, yeah, I was seriously not happy with <laughs> <laughs> the movie I had to watch. But you know what? Overall, I would say I'm glad that I'm forced to watch these movies, actually. Yeah, I think, I mean, even with some of the ones that I've had that have been really, really bad. I, first <laughs> of all, like, I chose it myself. I did it to myself, so I have no one to blame. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm like, at least I, I, I'm trying to go into 2020 being more optimistic and thinking like, well, at least it gives me a better appreciation for like the really good things in life. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Cinematically. I don't know. I'm just, I'm grasping <laughs> at straws trying to justify my reason for ever picking Muckman or Funland. Oh my gosh. I know. But, oh, I don't know. It's well, you know what? It's very entertaining though. So, so I'm glad that you choose those movies. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to try for less of those in 2020, but I'm sure I'll stumble across a few more that I'll be like, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. So, um, but speaking of movies on the better side of all of this, last episode, my guest and I reviewed The Red Queen Kills Seven Times. And from the customers also watch list of that film, I picked today's movie, which is 1971's The Bloodstained Butterfly. I'm a smart killer inspector, a little smarter than all of you. I've already killed twice and got away with it. And I'm going to get away with it again. Do you hear, inspector? I'm going to kill again and soon. <laughs> That shirt are the initials A.M. Alessandro Marchi. Now, will you tell this court what you know or not? Oh, there's blood on your shirt. Group B and RH negative. As you recall, it's the blood type of Francoise Pigot. But for an innocent person, there always remains the hope that he won't have to reveal certain facts that will compromise him. And Alessandro Marchi is innocent. I visited my mistress. And the evidence, the evidence, all of which points directly to the accused, to Alessandro Marchi. Yes. Okay, so... Before we get into that, uh, as always, I do want to provide a drinking game for listeners, even though this isn't like a really sort of like fun, upbeat one. I still think that there's a couple opportunities for one. So Chaos, did you have any thoughts about a drinking game for Bloodstained Butterfly? (laughs) Yeah, you know, I was thinking about it and I don't drink much, but I think that you could drink pretty steadily if you took a, a shot like every time something upsetting happens to a woman in this movie. Yeah, that happens for sure. I'm not that. Well, I don't want to get too into it yet, but yeah, I just uh, it, yeah, there were some parts where I was like, oh, okay, yeah, like that's that's no fun. <laughs> All right, um, mine was take a drink whenever you see a butterfly. And oh, see, that's way better than mine. <laughs> well, I, I I do it every movie, so you know I'm <laughs> used to trying to like find a recurring element throughout a movie so um there's one very clear one in like the opening scene where like the uh the movie itself is framed with a butterfly um as you're watching the opening credits and then the rest you might have to look a little bit closely um you may but you'll see a few at the end for sure um and during one of the murder scenes but there's a few hidden kind of sprinkled throughout the rest of the movie so no, that's a really good one because you know I I was keeping track of when I would spot butterflies. Yeah, because it doesn't really. I mean, it's got that giallo title to it, but mm-hmm. it doesn't really. And a lot of times that happens too. Like the title doesn't really fit with the the movie itself. Um, right. I mean, like the last one literally did. Like the Red Queen kills seven times. Like she literally killed seven people so i mean (laughs) but it's oh shit spoiler if you didn't listen or watch that one yet sorry people (laughs) anyway but this one's a little bit different in a lot of ways and it's it's interesting because it also connects to 
another giallo that I did two episodes ago called The Weekend Murders, which was this weird sort of comedy giallo. And this one is very much a um, police procedural courtroom drama. But so they're, they're not exactly your sort of cookie cutter ones. But one thing that they have in common that I thought was really cool and interesting is that they both used Tchaikovsky's Piano Concerto Number no. 1 in it at, mm-hmm. the, at the opening, which I thought was really cool. And I'll throw in the uh, audio for that later so listeners know exactly what I'm talking about. Because my exposure to Tchaikovsky was growing up every year during Christmas, my mom would make us watch the Nutcracker. Oh my gosh. Yes. Okay. So yes, I, I know that like, if I heard it anywhere, I would turn around and be like Nutcracker where uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> so it was that the George C. Scott Christmas Carol, and then the Boris Karloff Grinch, which was recorded off of the TV. And I still remember all the commercials <laughs> that were in like that recorded t- uh, that, that tape. So Yes, we absolutely had a recorded tape off the TV of the Nutcracker Suite or the Nutcracker. Yeah. And actually, my grandparents used to take us to see the ballet all the time. So I've seen the ballet multiple times, too. Nice. Yeah, in person. It's pretty cool. Yeah. A little. It's nice when you get a little culture sprinkled in and you're not just, you know, for me at least, not just watching the the trash that I watched growing up. Like my mom was like, you need something better to watch watch (laughs) this god damn it (laughs) (laughs) all right so getting into some of the specifics of the film uh this was directed by duccio tassari uh he's done a lot of spaghetti westerns for the most part uh that's what he's most well known for but he did also do a rutger hauer movie called beyond justice (laughs) which i have since added to my watch list because i love rutger hauer and i now love this director so that's really cool um, and then as far as actors, uh, Helmut Berger, Giancarlo, uh, I'm not going to say this right, Sabragia, and Evelyn Stewart, who another connection to Weekend Murders, she was also in that film that we covered last month. Oh. And then uh, I think she played, yeah, she played Isabel. So she played the daughter for anyone who listened to the episode or watched the movie or both. And then for a synopsis, we have a young female student. Um, Now, she happens to be friends with the daughter of the suspect. She is savagely killed in a park during a thunderstorm. And the culprit seems obvious from all of the evidence within like the first 30 minutes of the film. It's this TV sports uh, reporter, personality, something like that, named Alessandro Marchi, because he is seen fleeing from the scene of the crime by numerous eyewitnesses. And then there's a bunch of evidence against him outside of that. But when he is in custody or in jail, more murders actually happen. So then it's, oh, you know, then it turns into a mystery like, oh, is it actually him and what happened? And so that's what the majority of the movie focuses on is his trial and the investigation. And then it's about the last 30 to 40 minutes where the second murder even happens. And there we start to run into the question of, Oh, did he actually do it? So, uh, so let's uh, get into the movie. All right. First of all, uh, because it is a murder mystery whodunit, like the last couple movies that I've covered in that same vein, I 
do want to try to avoid uh, spoiling the movie, but there's still a lot to talk about with this film. We're just, I think we can just avoid that very end scene explanation for what happened. And that should pretty much make us okay to not spoil it. I think. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know me, spoilers are like, well, I should, I was about to say they're hard for me. No, they're incredibly easy for me. They come out of my mouth. <laughs> I need to not spoil things. So well, yes, I have to be careful. I think if we just avoid the, like the last scene, the we'll last be, scene, we'll yeah. be okay. So when we get to that, we'll be like, all right, we're stopping here. <laughs> Go watch <Okay>. the movie. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that's a really good idea because honestly, I thought it was worth watching. I was I was glad that I didn't read about it before I watched it. Yeah, I read. Uh, I just read the synopsis. I read a little bit about the director, and then I went in, and that's usually what I do. I usually go into these blind because I find mm-hmm. if I, I I definitely avoid reviews ahead of time because those will bias my opinion going into it. Um, right. Or they'll make me like if I had read any reviews of, you know, Funland or Muckman or anything like that before I watched <laughs> it, I would have been like, I'm not fucking watching this movie. And actually, I quit this podcast. So, <laughs> but there is, um, there at the very beginning, they introduce all of the characters with name cards on, on screen with them. And I was like, oh shit. And I had to go back and rewind and watch again and, after the movie was over. Um, yeah. I went back to the beginning, rewatched it. And I was like, okay, to get all the names straight, because it felt at the beginning, it felt like there were a lot more characters. And then when I went back, I was like, oh, there's really only like six or seven to keep track of. So it's not as bad as I thought. Yeah. I, I was taking notes, writing down everybody's name too. Cause I was like, okay, I can't, I don't know. There's two people whose name starts with the letter G I'm lost. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and they're they're um no they're not related i was gonna say they're related but there's the lawyer who's julio um yes. and then there's giorgio so i'm like that does not that doesn't help because they sound alike no. and they both start with g and yeah um we've got francois who is the french girl who was murdered at the beginning and then the main family at the center of all this we have the suspect uh, who is Alessandro. He's on trial for the murder of Francois, his daughter, Sarah, who is friends with the murder victim. And then the wife slash mother, Maria. Then we have the lawyer and then we have Giorgio. And also at the beginning, they introduced the parents of Giorgio who were in like one scene. So I don't even know mm-hmm. why they did that at all. Yeah. I thought that was weird too. Yeah. I, I don't know. So we open with like a, We've got a man in a trench coat running away from a murder in the park. And, but we never see his face, but seemingly other people see his face. And from the very beginning for the first 30 minutes of the movie is CSI Rome or whatever we want to call it. Yeah, definitely. But it's not like it's, that may sound boring, but I didn't think it was. I thought it was actually really interesting. Yeah, I will exactly uh, to see how, I mean, just the advances. So the changes that have happened since, you know, the 70s and also because it's a different country. And yeah, it was really interesting, I thought. Yeah, specifically, like you mentioned, like different country and like the advances that have been made. They were checking Mm -hmm. fingerprints manually, like eyeballing them. And I'm like, oh, fuck, that's (laughs) 
like there's got to be so many wrongful convictions from that <laughs> that time period when people were doing that. That's fucked up. They, they don't do that anymore. I thought they still did that. I thought it was all in computers. Oh, is it? Oh, I thought okay. so. I fucking hope so. Shit. <laughs> I want someone eyeballing my fingerprint and being like, yep, she did it. And I'll be like, well, yeah, but can you at least verify that through like a computer, please? Yeah. Well, I think they, I, I don't know. Anyway. I, yeah. I, just to think that, I don't know. I, of all the wrongful conviction, convictions you think about happening because of weird forensics that they used to do and, and yeah. still do. Oh, yeah. And the other thing that I thought was interesting was like the whole courtroom setup where yeah. the defendant is in what looks like like a penalty he's box in a bars. cage, <laughs> he's literally in a cage. <laughs> like he's gonna fight a cage match or something. <laughs> like they're gonna throw tomatoes and cans of beer at him or something. <laughs> And then there's five judges and then the two lawyers, one for the one prosecuting, one defending. And so we get to, like I said, it's it's about 30 minutes of the investigation, questioning, procedure, courtroom and things like that. I did want to play a quick clip of the audio just to get people up to speed on or just to get listeners up to speed on what the prosecution has actually presented as um, as evidence in here. So I'm going to play that really quickly. The result of our interrogation and all the evidence you have heard presented for you here in this court against this man is irrefutable proof. It's crushing. I will summarize it briefly for you now. Observing the print of the defendant's right forefinger, you can easily detect a white mark indicative of a scar. The scar is even more evident in this enlargement of the defendant's fingerprint. If we compare Alessandro Marchi's fingerprints with those found on the night with which the girl was killed, the similarity is unmistakable, as has been confirmed by police experts. Therefore, the fingerprints on the murder weapon could only have been made by Alessandro Marchi. Furthermore, the defendant's automobile seat covers are of a black plastic material called bill pebble, and the stains on the victim's coat were caused by this same material. You've heard three eyewitnesses testify under oath that the murderer wore a light gray top coat and the accused possesses exactly that kind of top coat, which he was in a very great hurry to have cleaned because it was spattered with mud. Unfortunately, this precaution proved useless. The material of the coat had absorbed traces of soil, which even after cleaning were sufficient for spectrographic analysis. This proved that the soil found in the coat is the same as the soil in the park where the young French girl was killed. Owing to its vicinity to an industrial zone, it contains distinctive quantities of potassium, zinc, calcium, and cadmium. Okay, so you guys get the idea. It's more of that. And he also goes into, like, the eyewitnesses that that are there. And, like, the specifically one woman who was, like, making out with her boyfriend in a car and saw him, him run into. Um, yeah, that was great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the windows are all steamed up and everything. And I was like, oh, yeah. thank you. So... We go through that. We get to, at one point, the lawyer for the defense, uh, Julio, he's on the phone and he says that everything will be okay tomorrow, which is seemingly like the final day of, of the trial. We don't know who he's talking to yet. We figure that out later on. But Giorgio ends up testifying on Alessandro's behalf. 
and saying that he saw someone else running away from the scene of the crime, trying to establish a motive for him. And the daughter of Alessandro is very thankful to him for testifying on his behalf. And then they start this very weird relationship. Yeah, that's one way to put it for sure. I mean, <laughs> I, so Sandro, they, they, he does actually end up getting sentenced to life despite the testimony and despite the lawyer saying like, Oh, this eyewitness testimony is flawed because here we were in these tests and anything, but he does end up getting sentenced to life in prison while he's in jail, his daughter getting back to that weird relationship she's got with Giorgio, like he, they're hanging out together. And at one point my, my, I, like I wrote down a note. I was like, uh, is Giorgio hate fucking the daughter question mark. Yeah. <laughs> and then it turns out. Yeah. And then we find out why later on at the end. So right. I'm not going to spoil oh. the hate fucking for everyone, but it's there. And there is a reason for yeah. it. <laughs> yes, it is. I I mean, I guess at least there's a reason, right? Yeah. <laughs> as long as there's a reason, I guess. There is a reason, which, yeah, they reveal at the end and, and everything like that. He has a very disconcerting O face as well. But I mean, if you're, oh hate, if you're hate fucking someone, you're going to have a different O face. <laughs> I think. You, I, I, I mean... I don't know. I've never been hateful. Let me think. Uh, <laughs> in my experience, the face is different. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> We've said too much. It's okay. We're going. Yeah. Down a, we're going down a weird path right now. Let's let's get away from the hate fucking and yeah. get back on track here. So we've got. We find out. Also, after Sandro gets sentenced to life, that not only is the. Uh, the daughter sleeping with someone who testified at the trial, but the lawyer is sleeping with Alessandro's wife. Yes. Oh my God. And Alessandro's wife, can I just say I was living for her this whole movie? Like <laughs> she just looked so like the perfect, the, she just was the perfect part for that wife. And she just, the, the look on her face at all times, the, the hats. I mean, she was incredible. Yeah. I, I liked her a lot. There was some weird part where she was in bed with the lawyer, with Julio, and he drew something on her back. Did you catch that? Yeah. What, what was that? I don't know. It was like some weird, like, child happy face drawn upside down. Yeah, it was like, it was a really crude drawing of a woman's face, and then he, like, kissed the lips, which was extra weird. Right. And I mean, it was right above her crack. So I was like, yeah. Um, and then I was trying to think about like what position he would have had to be in with her for that to make sense <laughs> for that to be on there. And I was like, mm, okay. Confused. Yeah. I, my, my brain went a weird place with that. And I was like, <laughs> I'm just going to let that one go too. So I'm going to let the hate fucking go. I'm going to let the weird, like, you know, drawing on the mother's back go. I'm going to move forward with something else here. It's best. It's actually, best. actually, while we're on the topic of sex, the <laughs> phones like, okay. So when the mom is getting a massage and she answers the phone and then later on in the movie, it's about an hour in, I think the mom and the daughter are having a meal together and they're being super like snarky with each other. Uh huh. The daughter gets up to answer the phone and like, it's this like light blue phone. That phone straight looks like a fucking dildo. 
Does it not? I was like, that's not the time or a place, young lady. But <laughs> Okay, I'm glad you saw it too, because I like yeah. wrote it down and I was like, I'm going to edit this out of chaos. Is like, what the fuck are you talking about, Erica? <laughs> no, especially because it was like the 70s. So, you know, so you're thinking, well, everything was bigger back then. So you got the big, like awkwardly shaped. Right. Phone, yeah, no. quote unquote. Phone, quote unquote. <laughs> we, we know. We know the truth, though. I mean, why else were there buttons on the bottom? I'm just asking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 70s dildo. Dildo phones. <laughs> okay. So I think one of my favorite things about this movie is the ongoing gag um with the investigators and coffee yes <laughs> because i was like oh my god they st- despite like this movie being super serious they still have a sense of humor and there's this like ongoing mm-hmm. joke with the the cop who will always get like his little cup of espresso and be like it's too cold it's too hot it's too sweet it's too strong it's whatever like every <laughs> single time and i was like the first time it happened I was like, okay, that's random. But then the second time I was like, oh, are they going to do a running joke with this? And they did. And I loved it. Like every time it came up, it made me laugh. Me too. And I loved how it was just like, you know, the whole comment on, well, you know, well, everybody's got crappy coffee, but because it's Italy, they've got these, the same brown coffee machines that we do, but they spit out little cups of espresso. (laughs) It's so great. It's so perfect. I love it. So two more murders happen while Alessandro is in prison, which leads to a, um, which leads to an appeal. And he does actually end up getting out. He gets alibi testimony from who we find out is his mistress. Now the mistress was there at the very beginning of the movie. And I had no fucking clue who she was until like the whole movie was done. And like everything came back into play. The only thing I remembered about her was that she had a very, unnecessarily manual calendar. (laughs) I wrote down that I liked her on her calendar. It was weird. I liked it, but I was at the same time. I was like, why should you have to work for a calendar? You should look at it and know what day and time, like she had to physically move it. I was like, it's like, (laughs) I'm like, I'll do that one day, like one month a year. And that's during December, like advent calendar, or maybe if there's like <laughs> one for like October, then fine. But yeah, I was like, the calendar thing. Anyway, I'm nitpicking because <laughs> it, there's very little in here that I didn't like with yeah. the exception of, I mean, chaos, you mentioned like, you know, with your drinking game. Yeah. Some... And I, I hate to make that the first thing I say about the movie, too, because it sounds like I didn't like it or that it's like the focus and it's not. It's definitely I mean, and stuff like that, I have to be really careful with. But honestly, it was fine. It wasn't like I, I don't know. It wasn't like, you know, movies today where they have to show everything. Mm-hmm. We did leave some things to the imagination. So, right. Yeah, I think I mean, other than. Other than that aspect, which, I mean, it wasn't nearly as problematic as some other movies that I've seen. It's, no. it's, it's there. Um, yeah. But I, I mean, I, I didn't really have anything else throughout that I didn't like. There was just, it was different from a lot of other Gialli that I've seen. And I, I thought it was, I thought it was pretty neat overall. Yeah. I, same. Um, 
the I haven't seen as many Jolly as I want to have seen, but this was definitely different from the ones that I have seen. And I was excited to see something different because then you feel like you've found some like little hidden treasure or something, you know? Yeah. And actually, I think um, like I turned around and like um, so Arrow was having a warehouse moving sale on and they actually have this on on blu-ray and so i went and like added it to my cart buy that too because i really like (laughs) um cool but i mean sort of getting back we're we're sort of at the end of the movie murder number three happens with about 20 minutes left and that's right before sandro that that sort of pushes the appeal along sandro gets released after the alibi testimony from his mistress then we get to the police putting other pieces together and finding out like, little cl- other clues, more poli- police procedural stuff about like the knife that was used and things like that. So they start chasing after Giorgio, um, who becomes another suspect. And then at the end, and I'm not going to spoil it, I will say, though, that Sandro and Giorgio meet up and we get a very unhappy ending. But I love unhappy endings. So I was all about yeah. it. <laughs> yes, me too. I don't like the neat little bows at the end where everyone just walks away like, oh, yay, everything's okay. I'm like, oh, no. Yeah, I like this much better. Um, Definitely. I think one of the other things I I like about it, too, is that it it has a couple of those characteristics you expect from a giallo, like the red herrings and, oh, it's probably because obviously the lawyer and the wife look like the most likely suspects in it. Right. And you get these other sort of red herrings like, oh, well, there is evidence that shows he's probably innocent, but then there's also evidence that will wire his fingerprints on the knife and, you know, all these other sort of things. So you have these red herrings. You've got a opening kill with a black gloved faceless killer. So it's got some of those elements in it, but much more than that, it's a courtroom police procedural uh, forensics movie yeah but it's still really so. good i think so <laughs> i think so too i think it's a great movie i was uh i really and i loved the end too which i i won't talk about but um <laughs> i i really loved the story and i thought that the like i said the forensics we said the forensics were really interesting and and yeah i, I just it it wasn't i didn't have it figured out immediately which is honestly like what I love about a movie. If a movie can keep me guessing and actually like, so that I don't know mm-hmm. exactly what's going on all the time. I'm like, yes, I like this. If I, if it gives me something to think about. Yeah. I liked it a lot for that too. Did you have any other um, particular scenes or any other elements that stood out mm-hmm. to you that you wanted to talk about? Let's see. Oh, I loved when Giorgio said, I wasn't lucky enough to be born a bastard. No offense, dad. (laughs) (laughs) In the one scene his parents are in, but yeah, that was great. I did. I also liked whenever we were with Georgie that if you look back, you can see all of the clues that were being dropped about his involvement with the whole thing. Like the... Um, the music that he was playing, the hate fucking the daughter, like the flashbacks and, and some other things like that. So I, yeah, I, I liked anytime I liked going back and like thinking about like, Oh, okay. That, that played in, that actually played out really well because at first it seemed like, 
like it was jumping all over the place and really disjointed. Like it would do this like quick cut to the scene. And then I was like, wait, who, what, huh? <laughs> and then it would go back to sort of the, uh, the main narrative. But I, I, looking back, I was like, okay, I think that all, that all actually worked really well for me. Right. Yeah. Like looking back that you totally see the logic of it and, oh, okay, I see why they did this. And yeah, for sure. It's a really well told story. And I think it was shot really beautifully too. Yeah. Same. I think it's, it's beautiful. I think it's got a great score behind it. Um, not mm -hmm. just like the incorporation of Tchaikovsky, but the actual score itself, I thought was real. I thought it was great for, for this film. And so Let's look at um, some letterbox reviews and see what some other people have to say about it. So as of this recording, this movie has uh, 1000 views uh, and it has a overall rating of a 3.2 out of five chaos. You have any reviews on letterbox you wanted to share? Sure. Yes. <laughs> I found one that I really liked by uh, Sydney gave it three and a half stars and they said, CSI Milan plus soap opera plus courtroom drama plus 100 trench coats plus detective with a weird quirk that keeps being referenced as a joke for some reason. Yes, please. <laughs> All of those things are in this movie. Absolutely. Yes. yes. <laughs> I thought that summed it up very well. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, any others? I just liked, oh, I liked Ian West. He gave it four stars. The bloodstained butterfly feels more like a police procedural with a chunk of courtroom drama slathered on it than your usual blood drenched, blood drenched candy colored giallo. But I'm cool with that because who boy, that final act mm -hmm. downer ending and all really hit me hard. Yeah. Agree. hundred percent. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, let's see. I've got a four star as well uh, by Liam Fogarty. And he said, uh, finally, the sort of giallo film I've been waiting for macabre and set up and gloriously up its own buttocks. The blood, ah! <laughs> I know, right. <laughs> the the bloodstained butterfly is everything that fascinated me about this era of Italian filmmaking, combining lowbrow thrills with a sense of class about it that comments on its own depravity instead of lavishes in it. Featuring one of the best vignette shots and wonderful, uh, wonderful use of Tchaikovsky's concerto number one, the bloodstained butterfly is admittedly low on plot, but as high, but as high on fun as it is on its own fumes. <laughs> I, uh, I agree with most of what he said, but I, I think, uh -huh. I don't think it's low on plot. Um, no at all. I think it's just very heavy on like focusing on the procedural part of it. So, um, right. And kind of in the, in, in the, sense of like what um your second review said ian said uh about that last act where it really is like holy fuck it like kicks it into gear it's like okay yes yeah i i think um i i would agree with pretty like most of what everyone said in all of those reviews so but let's get to our sort of official recommendations so chaos do you yes love it recommend it want to leave it remake it or kill it with fire um I say I love it. I will definitely watch it again. Nice. Did you have a like particularly like favorite aspect or scene or anything like that that really stood out um, for you? Well, it's that final act, like everybody's been saying. It's just so good. And everything leading up to it is just a, it's a wonderful crescendo. 
Agreed. Yeah. Um, I am, I'm definitely in the same boat. Like I I've had a really good run with Italian horror and I'm going to try my best to stay here as long as possible, <laughs> but not have it turn into an Italian horror podcast, but I just want to <laughs> stay happy for a while. So, uh, I definitely would recommend it. I, I think because I went ahead, turned around and bought it. I think that speaks to me actually really loving it. Um, because it's different, um, in that sort of procedural aspect, but still being actually really interesting to me. So I love it too. Awesome. Everyone should watch was, this movie. I'm so glad that you had me watch this movie. I'm glad you got to watch this as well. Um, disclaimer for listeners. There are two versions of this on Amazon prime. One is in Italian, but you can turn on English subtitles. Uh, the other is half and half. So it's the, the other one is dubbed in English, but then at certain points in it, it reverts back to Italian and then adds subtitles to it or or doesn't have them at all. (laughs) Yeah, there's, it, it was weird. So I watched the first one, the one that was dubbed first. And then I was like, oh, there's actually another one. And that's the arrow one that's in Italian. And you had to turn on the subtitle. So I was like, oh, okay. Well, I mean, I should have watched it that way, but it's still, I mean, that's when the one I went back when I was like re-looking for scenes to, to talk about that I, that I went back and rewatched. So there's two versions on there. Both are fine. I think the, the one that's in Italian though, is like three minutes longer though. And that's the act, the <laughs> arrow release one. Oh, interesting. That was the one I watched. I actually started watching it without realize, like thinking about it. And I was just like, oh, it's in Italian. And then I'm sitting there and I'm sitting there and I'm like, I should turn the subtitles on. <laughs> yeah, that would be helpful. Probably. <laughs> uh, but, you you know, listeners, you've got a choice on which way you want to watch it. So just know that that's available for you, at least for right now, as of this recording on Amazon. Okay, so uh, that's it for the Bloodstained Butterfly, and that means it is time to pick the next movie. Whee! Okay. (laughs) So, rules for picking. The movie has to be on the customer's also watch list for the Bloodstained Butterfly. It has to be available to watch for free. It has to be a movie that I have never seen before, or it's been so long since I've seen it that I don't remember it. And finally, uh, it, I can only pick the movie based on information on Amazon Prime. Uh, so thumbnail image, who directed it, who stars in it, short description, year, genre, etc. So customers also watch list for the Bloodstained Butterfly. Um, what have you done to Solange? I've seen it. Something Creeping in the Dark. Ooh. 1971. A dark and stormy night and a washed out bridge leaves an unlikely company of stranded travelers seeking shelter. The group find themselves at a strange old mansion, which happens to be the late home of a notorious occultist. Ooh. Mm. All right. Um, Who is in this? Farley Granger. Um, (laughs) One person living uh, listed. Mario Colucci directed. I mean, still Italian, so still a possibility. But I don't know. Um, Death Steps in the Dark, 1977. An Italian reporter is traveling on the Istanbul. Oh, <laughs> wait. That's supposed to be Istanbul? It's typed Instable. 
A woman is murdered with the reporter's letter opener, so that makes him the main suspect. With the help of his Swedish girlfriend, he starts investigating in order to prove his innocence. He directed this. Maurizio Prado, starring Leonard Mann. I don't know who that is either. Jesus. There's a bunch of like unknown ones here. Suspicious Death of a Minor. Seen it. Deathhead Virgin. 1974. Treasure Hunter finds a sunken ship off the coast of the Philippine of a Philippine island. He is unaware that the ship is guarded by the vengeful spirit of an ancient princess. Ooh, I love the ones where the ladies are the bad guys. Oh, I like this poster. Like you can't see it on like the first thumbnail image, but you actually click on the movie itself. It's got like this ghoul face and like she's naked, but her hair is covering her tits and like. <laughs> Um, Norman Foster directed. I don't know who that is. Mm. Okay. I mean, I've been okay so far with like blind picks. Like, I don't know who that director is. I've never heard of this movie. That's fine. Um, oh God, those are all possibilities right now. Jesus, this is gonna be tough. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Crimes of the Black Cat. I feel like I've, oh no, I'm thinking of something else. Uh, a blind pianist tries to figure out who is responsible for a string of murders using a black cat with its claws dipped in curare. That sounds really familiar. So I've probably seen it and it'll probably be one of those ones where I'm like, Oh yeah. Well. <laughs> okay. So the bloodstained butterfly is on the customer's also watch list for the bloodstained butterfly. Cause like I said, there's two versions of it. <laughs> So can't pick on that. Pick that one because I've already seen it. <laughs> um, Death on the Four Poster, 1964. Yikes! Mm-hmm. A party of young people. Uh, a party of young people gather in a mansion for an occult experiment in which deaths are predicted by a psychic. It turn. It soon turns into more than an experiment. God damn! Mm. These are all like so different and weird. Like I don't know where to. This is going to be hard. That uh, one reminds me oddly of the House on Haunted Hill remake. Yeah. I don't know why. Uh, starring Antonella Lewaldi, directed by Jean, oh, Jesus, Joseph Povici. Joseph Povici? I don't know how to pronounce that. Damn it. This is getting hard. Okay. The Reincarnate, <laughs> 1971. This is, I've seen this one on the list before, not a recent one, but uh, a wealthy lawyer with a short time to live hides a secret. He is a, con- a continuation of a line of reincarnates and his memory is an accumulation of their memories. He must find a successor to whom he can pass on his memories and he meets a struggling but ambitious artist who seems to be a likely candidate for the reincarnation ritual, which involves sacrificing a virgin. Well, obviously it's virgin well obviously (laughs) that sounds really familiar to me but i don't i don't think i've seen it don haldine directed jack creeley jay reynolds Uh, i'm gonna say no to that one just to eliminate because i can't like keep everything as a possibility so um all right oh horror hospital this one came up last episode it's about a (laughs) struggling musician and a dwarf in a haunted hospital so um another possibility uh argento's trauma seen it nothing but the night the kids don't die so i'm not gonna do that 
uh, Weekend Murders, did it. Read seven. Ugh. The Red Queen Kills Seven Times. Seen it. Yeah. The Night the Prowler, 1978, from the director of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Huh. Uh, Jim Sharman huh. and Nobel Prize winning author Patrick White, A Haunting Tale of Obsession and Possession. That tells me absolutely nothing about this movie. So No. no. <laughs> uh, X-Nay. Nope. Uh, Death Walks on High Heels. Oh, I want to see that, but it's not free. Oh, wait. Yeah, it is. Why, where's the free button? Oh, no, it's not free. Boo. Oh, The Fantasist, uh, 1986. That does not look or sound Italian, so no, because I want to stay in Italian. <laughs> Hands of the Ripper. I don't think that's Italian either. And then Cat of Nine Tails, not free, and I've seen it. So, okay. Oh, it's not free right now? Darn it. It's not. All right, so I've got... Jesus, I'm, I'm down to five right now, so... <laughs> Horror Hospital, uh, that is not like Italian. The name. I, I like it too. And it's got like the Shout TV logo on it, which means that Shout Factory did something with it, which usually means something decent. Um, right. And then Death on the Four poster. Which like that name too. I don't know who this director is, but it looks Italian. Jean Giosipovici. J-O-S-I-P-O-V-I-C-I. That's Italian. That's Italian, for sure. Uh, Something Creeping in the Dark. Mario Colucci. What was this one? Oh, this Dark and Stormy Night, Stranded in an Old Mansion with an Occultist. Yeah. Um, Death Steps in the Dark. Mm, it's hard. Leonard Man. Or... The Deathbed Virgin. I really like that poster, but it's got the low. Okay, Norman Foster directed, so it's not Italian. I'm and I'm like fixated on the poster for some reason. Like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is tough. This one's tough. Okay, I'm gonna eliminate at least one of these. So I'm gonna eliminate. This is like the toughest choice I've had so far. I don't know what's wrong with me for whatever reason. They all sound good. I know. I'm like, can I just watch all of these? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'm going to eliminate Deathhead Virgin because I know it's not Italian, even though I really like the poster. I know Horror Hospital is not Italian either. So I'm going to take that one out. So now I'm down to Death on the Four poster, Something Creeping in the Dark, and Death Steps in the Dark. Hmm. No one has reviewed that one on Amazon. Uh, Something Creeping in the Dark has two and a half on Amazon. And Death on the Four Poster has three and a half on Amazon, but that's only got three reviews. So I don't normally factor that in, but I maybe I should. I don't know. Why must you be so hard? This is taking me longer than it ever has before to like choose, <laughs> choose a fucking movie. And I don't know why. All right. I'm going to stay away from... Okay, I'm not going to do Death on the Four Poster because... I'm going to stay away from a cult, I think. And then if I'm going to stay away from a cult, something creepy in the dark is the same thing. So I'm going to do death steps near the dark. Yeah, I'm going to do that one. I'm going to do death steps in the dark. 1977 death steps in the dark death on a train with a letter opener with a letter opener. (laughs) <laughs> Hooray! Although the guy looks like he's holding the straight razor in the poster, so I don't know. Uh, 
Maurizio Prado. That looks French. It's not Italian. Damn it. I just went against my. It's fine. <laughs> oh, no. It's fine. I've already made my decision. I'm good. Uh, all right. So dust ups in the dark for the next episode. Uh, what do I have coming up? Shit. Where are we at? January. Um, what's happening? Coming up on customers also watched. Uh, I've got a Dario Argento special edition episode with Rebecca and Jordan. Oh. She is watching Suspiria at her own request. Uh, oh. Phenomena and oh. what else am I making her watch? Deep Red. All right. And for the very first time, I'm actually going to have a guest for a Rebecca episode, and that's going to be Jonathan from the Late Night Psychorama podcast. He's going to help uh, walk her through some Argento-isms. And then followed by that, we'll also have this episode for Death Steps in the Dark, and we'll see how that one turns out. So, Chaos, thank you so much for coming on for this episode and watching Bloodstained Butterfly. Can you tell everyone where to find and follow your podcast? Oh, my gosh. Well, first, thank you, because it was so (laughs) much fun. Um, Our podcast is, well, anywhere podcasts are. Um, It's called They Mostly Podcast at Night, and we are at Podcast at Night um, on social medias. And... um, I don't know. We're on Twitter, iTunes, Twitter. We're on <laughs> iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, anywhere there are podcasts. Yay. Yeah. And you guys are also on a network too, correct? Oh, yes. We are part of the Morbidly Beautiful uh, podcast network over at morbidlybeautiful.com, which is a wonderful uh a site for horror movie reviews for, for starters. They also doing book reviews now. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. I like how you said that this was fun when half the time it was me like trying to pick a movie instead of us talking about <laughs> this movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, now oh. that part that, that was fine too. No, no, okay. we, no, it was great. It was a lot of fun and I liked watching the movie and I'm so excited that I got to do a giallo with you because I love them so much. Well, I'm, I'm glad I've, I've had a good run of not just like picking good movies, but also picking movies that people have, have really enjoyed. And so that makes me happy because I always feel bad when I'm like, I got a shit movie and I have to be like, Hey friend, <laughs> you want to <laughs> watch this shit movie and talk about it? I always feel so bad. <laughs> I mean, I always have a good time no matter what, but at the same time, I'm like, I'm so sorry you had to watch that, but it's nice mm-hmm. when we get something good like this. And uh, yeah, so I look forward to the rest of 2020 and I'd love to have you back as a guest sometime Absolutely. in the near future. I would love to come back. Awesome. We will do that for sure. Um, Thanks again for joining this time though. And thanks to everyone else for listening and we'll see you for the next episode. Bye. Bye.